James Duckett was a member of the military police. When he retired, he moved to Germany to serve as a crime scene investigator. After a time, he returned to Kentucky to be closer to his family. On November 10, 2008, James was located deceased in his residence. He had been tied to a chair and suffered multiple stab wounds. His ATM card had been stolen, his truck had been stolen, and his sister found her brother tortured and murdered. Thirteen years later, the police do not seem to be any closer to an arrest than they were when James died. everybody and welcome to true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters this is katie weaver and i'm here with my co-anchor sister and partner in crime christy brower hello hey everybody excited to be here i don't know anything about this case which is fun no but uh it's your last broadcast before you go on vacation it is i'm going on vacation it's really i mean i'm gonna be gone for four days (laughs) hey Vacation is vacation. That is the podcaster's life, right? (laughs) But it is. It is. I'm excited. We're going to Southern Utah. I'm going to just get out of town for a while and have some fun. So I am looking forward to it. But it means I'm going to miss the updates this week and the psychic hour, which is a weird feeling. Yeah. I know. I'm just going to be over here holding down the fort. You will. I'm leaving everything in capable hands and you've got guests and everything. Well, I guess. (laughs) You're leaving everything in hand, so I can say that. (laughs) I would say capable, and I'm excited about your guests. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. We have a very cool guest. I'll tell you all about it at the end of the show. We have a very cool guest coming up tomorrow night on the Psychic Hour. We have a cool guest coming up tonight on Case Updates, too, actually, to be fair. But first, let's talk about today's case. So this is a cold read case, which means that I am going to give Christy the deets on this case first, and then she will uh, give us a sense of what she is getting from it. She'll give us a psychic reading on the case. So this is the case of Jim Duckett or James Duckett. So James was, in his younger days, he was a military policeman. And served in the military for quite a while, it looks like. And then he retired and he moved to Germany to become, of all things, a crime scene investigator. Ooh, my kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did for a while. And then uh, as he got a little older, he decided to come back to the States and he moved to Kentucky to be closer to his sister, Catherine, and her husband mm-hmm. and kids. And mm-hmm. uh her work schedule uh, made it so that she needed some help with her kids. And so here comes uncle Jim to help out. Mm-hmm. And he was just a fun, good guy. He had a church that he went to, that he had a really strong uh, congregation of friends there. Of course he had a sister and her family. He had lots of friends and mm-hmm. was just a, a neat guy. You know, yeah. his sister called him her best friend. She said they spoke every day, multiple times a day. That's just Mm -hmm. how it was. They spent time together frequently. And so on November 9th, 2008, they went shopping. It was a Saturday. 
And nothing really seemed out of the ordinary, but she didn't talk to him that evening. And then the next day he didn't answer the phone, which was just weird because he always answered the phone. So she called his, some of his church friends uh, and checked in with them and to, or, or checked in at least with his church friends. And they said, no, he didn't come to church this morning. So then she was like, okay, hmm. well, this is weird. So she goes to his house and his truck is gone. So she's like, what the heck is going on? So she goes in the house and she sees his cowboy boots there that he would have always worn to leave the house mm-hmm. and discovers in the master bedroom his dead body oh. and he has been tied to a chair with ropes and with neckties and tortured and stabbed to death and has his neck slit. Mm. Uh, it was a really gruesome, brutal crime scene. It was really scary. He had a rescue dog that had been taken into another room and uh, tied up, but left safe and sound. And he's gone. So she calls the police and the police come and of course they start an investigation because, um, you know, he's obviously been murdered. Right. And they discover that his ATM card has been activated and drained. His accounts mm-hmm. are drained. All of his money is gone and his pickup was gone. And it was actually found later in the day uh, a ways from his house, like a mile from his house. They are able to get some footage from the ATM, um, but it's too dark to really see. You know, the the murder happened sometime in the night, it looks like on the ninth, and it's too dark to see the suspect. It does look like the suspect is masked and gloved. They were not stupid. And, of course, uh, you know, they drove the truck a ways away and then they ditched it. That is all they have to go on. So at some point later on, the police do tell his sister that they have a, they do have uh, some DNA that they're processing and that they should make an arrest within four months. And that, of course, that's uh, a weird time frame. Is that how long it would take to process the DNA? I really don't know. It is a weird time frame. Yeah. But of course, uh, as you can imagine, uh, it never happened. So there's never been an arrest. There's never really been any closure. And they just don't know. They just don't know. It's just really, really sad. His poor sister is so traumatized. I mean, can you imagine? No. Walking into that scene, you know? Well, and never knowing who or why. Yeah. What went on there at all? I mean, wow, scary. Yeah. Yep. It's really weird. So that's basically the case, you know, and you know, the police obviously, I mean, they're also saying, yes, he was, it's obvious that he was tortured before he was killed. We don't know why. But we know that he was and that the crime scene was a really horrifying thing. Yeah, I have some I have some hints on that. So we'll, we can get to that. Yeah. So actually, I think before we go any further, let's do that, Christy. Let's go ahead and take a quick break 
And then when we return, I'm going to ask you to read this case, and then I'll give you just a little bit more information about what's come from his case. So we'll okay. go ahead and take a break. Okay. All right. And we are back. And of course, this is the James Duckett case. Yeah. And so, Christy, what do you think happened? I do feel that he knew something that they were, it, the torture was not just to torture him, but they were trying to get information from him. There were two men. I do feel this was professionally done. This was a professional hit. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the stealing his vehicle and the draining his bank accounts was um, to try to throw the police off and make this look like it was some kind of a robbery. Mm. Um, I don't feel like it was. I do feel like he, I feel like this had to do with his work in, in uh, crime scene investigation in Germany, that he was um, involved in investigating. I'm going to use this term because I don't know what else, this is the term that keeps coming to mind, but he was investigating at one point a crime syndicate in okay. um, Germany and that he knew something as the investigator that there was there were some people involved in the syndicate that were afraid i feel like he actually held some information back at one point in a case that he investigated and i i don't feel that he was involved or that he had any criminal activity i feel like his safety was threatened at some point in germany which is part of what brought him back to the U.S. and that he didn't, sh there was some information he did not share and that they were looking for that information out of him. Mm -hmm. I feel like they did get it too, that he told them mm -hmm. uh, in, in an attempt to save his life. Sure. But that this was very professionally done and it was definitely done by people who came to the U.S. only to do this. Mm-hmm and leave and that's why i mean they're they don't find anything on him is on on the dna or whatever they've found because yeah. they're not they didn't come from the u.s to begin with yeah yeah so they're just in the wind yeah they are and yeah. i i do feel like if they were to go back to his work in germany and to look into what he'd been working on before he left that they might you know, get some, that the police might get some info there mm -hmm. that would help them. But I do feel like it was um, a hit for information, mm -hmm. which is really he was sad. Good. He was good at what he did. Yeah, he was. I feel like he was really good at what he did and it caught him in trouble. I agree with you entirely. That is exactly what I was seeing as well. Um, a couple of things that I had not told you that I, I find interesting. Uh, one Apparently, about three weeks before he was murdered, his house was robbed. Mm -hmm. And some of his jewelry and some of his things were stolen. Yeah. And yeah. Just now they wonder. Yeah. 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 And he had told his sister he was considering moving. And she was really surprised to hear that because they were all pretty happy in that little community where they were. Mm -hmm. And suddenly he says he wants to move. And she thought that was really weird. Yeah. She thought maybe it was because of his house being robbed. He knew it was a message. It didn't have anything to do with robbery. That was a message to him that that they were coming for him. Yeah, that's. I agree that that 
got some validation there for you. And also, uh, she said that after that robbery, he had just been a little off, a little quiet, a little bit not himself. Yeah. 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 I do feel like he knew what this was mm-hmm. and he didn't know best what to do or how to do anything about it, really. Yeah. But clearly they'd found him, these these individuals that uh, wanted information from him and found him and he knew. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's such a sad case. It's such a weird case. And, it you is. Know, it's the, really the police weird. told Catherine that they had lots, they had binders full of information and evidence, and they had so many people that they binders were interviewing. And, wow. Yeah. Famous last words. Right. Uh, but uh, no, they've, they've, there's been nothing come from it. What has come from it is that Catherine, his sister, has gotten really active in the missing and murdered persons community in Kentucky Mm -hmm. and has formed quite the organization in helping other families, helping them to navigate law enforcement, helping them to deal with, uh, you know, with their losses. One thing they've done that I have seen done in Idaho as well with missing and murdered people is they have done a playing card deck. Yes. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these before, it's really cool. It's really smart. So they make these decks and they put a person, a case on every card. Yeah. And the decks get distributed to the jails and the prisons. Yeah. Because the hope and other places, but one of the main places they actually put them is in jails and prisons because the hope is that as the inmates are using these cards and playing them and pictures of victims come up that you might get somebody talking. It's and it's brilliant. worked. And it works. It yeah. It's worked in Idaho. It's worked in other states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now I don't know if Catherine is the brainchild behind the decks in uh, Kentucky. I couldn't find that for sure. I think she probably is or had something to do with that, but mm-hmm. she has really been working hard to help other families, which I think is amazing and a really noble, you know, and gifted thing to do out of your own tragedy, mm-hmm. you know, to help others sure. and to recognize what it feels like to be wearing these shoes and be there for other people to also mm-hmm. help them learn how to navigate the system. Because I think yeah. uh, we've talked about this lots of times, but when you go through something like this, you are then just at the mercy of law enforcement and hopefully you know you've got a good one and and mm-hmm. i don't i'm not really dissing the police in this case i'm not they have tried mm-hmm. they have tried they have given this case priority they have worked it they just don't have anything they just you don't know, have it, enough to put anything together and these were pros and they were pros from mm-hmm. outside the u.s and yeah. so that's pretty darn hard to find mm-hmm. that's a scary thing to me, that they came into yeah. the country specifically to threaten him and then ultimately to kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then threw a couple of red herrings out there with the stolen truck, with the uh, yeah ATM card, and then off they went. Yeah. Yeah. They were hoping, especially where the there'd been that previous robbery, it was yeah. all just a setup. It was all leading up to, mm-hmm. to his death. And... You know, it was the hope that then it, this would get deemed a, uh, you know, a murder com- committed in the commission of a, of a robbery. And yeah. he was tied up to 
you know, and then tortured to tell him where his money was and where his jewelry was or whatever, you know, I mean, I feel like that was the hope Yeah, that that's the direction that the police would take it. Yeah. Well, he was a military man, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then a former investigator. I'm sure he had guns. I'm sure he had plenty of skills, you know, yeah. it probably sure took two well-trained people to mm-hmm. ambush him and yeah. do what they did. Most definitely, especially because he had some idea that first robbery, I feel like was, it was a warning Mm -hmm. and he knew something Mm -hmm. was coming. Yeah. But he, how could he know what or when, you know? Right. Yep. And actually was probably just worried sick about his wife's family or or sorry, not why he didn't have a wife, his sister's family. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He just didn't want to get them hurt. Didn't want to get them drawn into it. Mm-hmm. I I agree, and that's why I didn't say didn't really say anything other than the thinking about moving. Yeah. You know, he wasn't going to tell her because, of course, she yeah. would want him to go to the police. Then, yeah. what's he supposed to tell him? And you know, I mean, there's just you can you know, yeah, think through all of that. But yeah, ultimately, that's what happened. Yep. Yep. All righty. Well, thank you for that. And as always, much love to the victim's family. And I certainly hope they have been able to find some peace over the years. Uh, So this is our Wednesday case. So we'll be back tonight with case updates. And my daughter Mars is going to join us for case updates, which I think is going to be pretty fun. Uh, We'll see how she does on the camera. I've had her on camera before on this show and she was fine. So I'm sure she'll be fine. Great. Yeah. And then tomorrow night, Thursday night for the Psychic Hour, I have a really special guest. I have Nurse Hadley from TikTok and YouTube. But -hmm. if you guys are on TikTok, go look for Nurse Hadley. She is a hospice nurse, and she has so many beautiful stories about death and dying and experiences with the other side. She will definitely make you think. And... We'll take some questions from the chat and just have some fun together. Uh, You guys are going to love her, I promise. So come. That is Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, or sorry, 7 p.m. Mountain. uh, And it'll be a live stream on YouTube and on Facebook with True True Crime Paranormal. So come find it. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'm bummed to miss it, but I will watch it after the fact. Yeah, for sure. All righty. Well, that is it. So you guys have a wonderful day. And of course, we'll be around. So this has been yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, guys.